There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Here we go with edition number 204 unofficially of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Somewhere along the way, we may have gotten off by one number, but regardless, 204, 205, 203, Still a pretty cool deal. Uh, This podcast brought to you by our friends at Beans Coffee Company. Make sure you use that promo code SPORTSCHAT at coffeebybeans.com to save on delicious small batch coffee roasted in Mankato, Minnesota. One guest on the pod today. We'll start with some sports. Then we'll delve into a passion of ours. It's Law & Order, and it's Mr. Judd Zolgad from Score North. VikingsWire.com, all over the place. Judd, per usual, thank you for entertaining me. Thank you for babysitting me. Thank you for talking law and order with me when we get there. Well, in full disclosure, I mean, I think I sent you a note as soon as the word of Sam Waterston stepping away from the show came out. I think it was Saturday saying, we got to do a podcast. So, you know, previously you've always asked me very politely to come on. This one I feel like I uh, I basically bulled my way in because you're the only person I know that would actually care about the end of uh, what has been quite the run for a great actor. Was learning about Sam Waterston's departure from Law & Order, is it a true where you were moment? Will you always remember when you learned about Sam Waterston finally leaving Law & Order? That's a good question. You know, it's funny the type of things beyond the monumental days in your life uh, that stick with you. Still, uh, I still recall, um, just to this point, reading in USA Today circa 1995 or so that Chris Noth was leaving the show and I was up north in Brainerd. So perhaps it will stick with me. Perhaps I won't forget this. Like I would jokingly like to say, of course I won't. I have so much more important things. But if I remember where where I was when Chris Noth left, then there's a fighting chance that I will, uh, at least for a while, remember this one. You know what, though, Judd? We all need things outside of sports and outside of real life when it comes to serious topics, whether it be job-related, family-related, friends-related. We all need things that we can escape to. And for you and I... Law and order is one of those things. I'll do this for you sports-wise, Judd. Could we be talking soon about Kirk Cousins escaping Minnesota? Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did. And if he does, I will certainly remember where I was when I found out that news. If and when it comes to fruition, yeah, I think that there is a fighting chance. I'm not guaranteeing it by any means. Uh, because I don't know what the Vikings are going to do, but it certainly looks like Kirk Cousins is headed towards exploring the market. And if that's going to be the case, my guess is he lands elsewhere. There's logical places, right? I mean, we keep on uh, Purple Daily, keep talking about the Atlanta Falcons as just a completely logical landing spot uh, for Kirk. There's certainly teams that could bid. So, yes, I think that there is a... Um, I think there's a chance. I don't want to say pretty good, but I think there's a I think there's a real chance that Kirk Cousins, as of officially what March 13th, when the new league year, as we say, begins, Ross, could be elsewhere. Uh, of course, that being said, watch in two weeks before that starts, the the Vikings and Cousins will sit down and hammer out a new two year deal. But until that happens, I think it could happen. Well, and if they don't hammer out a new deal before free agency, Judd, wouldn't that tell you right there that he's not coming back? Because once once yeah. he officially hits free agency and starts talking to other teams, if that does indeed happen, yep. somebody, if not more than one suitor, is going to offer more than what the Minnesota Vikings are willing to pay. That would, in theory, be why Kirk Cousins is in the free agent market. So it just seems likely that if he hits free agency that he will choose a different team because – what are the odds he's going to come back and say, oh, uh, 
Atlanta just offered me to basically potentially finish out my career there. They're going to give me three years and they're going to do 85 million guaranteed or 90 million guaranteed or no, it'd probably be more than that, 120 million guaranteed. Whatever it is. Exactly. And the, you know the Vikings, you think they would look at that and say, nope, you know our terms. It's two years at X amount of dollars. Right. Well, and also, um, unless this is unless it's extended, and I don't think it's going to be because I don't think Kirk has an incentive to, keep in mind, when the league year begins, his dead cap hit uh, for next season, which I believe is $28 million plus, and that, that's just an accounting thing. So he's been paid that, but it, it's a way to get creative with the cap. That's on the books and on top of anything new he gets. So what I've been saying the whole time is unless that gets extended, and my question is, okay, why would Kirk extend that? But unless that's extended, uh, you're not going to pay Kirk Cousins while also taking a dead cap hit on Kirk Cousins. So I really do think that this has to get done before free agency begins because once he hits free agency, I don't think the Vikings are, are going to take what would amount to approximately a $30 million cap hit and couple a new salary onto that. If they sign him before the league year begins, that can all be adjusted with some creative accounting again. But yeah, there's the longer this goes on, the more I think, and the combine in, in a couple of weeks will tell a lot because that's where a lot of, negotiations and tampering begin, Ross. But um, unless this gets done soon, I think it becomes better chance by the day that Kirk Cousins explores his options elsewhere. And look, there's probably some places he, he'd go. The offensive components might not equal Justin Jefferson, but there's probably a better chance to win now. I don't envision that this will happen, but if Kirk Cousins chooses another team, We've always thought conventional wisdom is if you get Kirk Cousins, you don't get Daniil Hunter. If you get Daniil Hunter, you don't get Kirk Cousins. Right. Is there a case to be made, even though you could have traded him and maybe gotten a second-round pick? I don't know. Maybe you could have fleeced a team for a first-round pick or maybe a couple mid-round picks for Daniil Hunter. Is there a case to be made that if you're going to lose Kirk Cousins, you also just let Daniil go and just sit on all that extra money for a year or two from now after you're hopefully in theory quarterback that you drafted has developed a little bit. I know you don't want to alienate Justin Jefferson, but my comeback to that is going to be people don't want to hear this. People don't believe it would ever happen. But if it gets to the point where Justin Jefferson is so alienated, I would say, okay, we'll pick up the phone and we'll take our two or three first round picks for you because we're not winning a Super Bowl in the next year or two. And I want Justin Jefferson to be a part of this team. I want him to be one of the reasons that you do win a Super Bowl. But also, if he's not willing to get on board with the plan that it's going to take to actually do that and be a year-in and year-out contender, then I would argue, well, what good does it have? What good does it serve to have him here if he's going to be a problem in building up to that point? Well, first of all, I don't know that Justin is going to be a problem there. And it, keep in mind, he's going to get paid as well. And once he's paid, he's paid. And it... it uh, it behooves him to take with the Vikings, and it's going to be massive amount. But as long as he's pleased with his contract th- that he should get at some point here, probably in March or April, that's the key thing. Winning is important, but he learned from being hurt. He needs to guarantee himself income because he's going to break the bank on th- this contract. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing on Hunter is I don't see them allowing Cousins and Daniil to leave because in the Daniil case, I think, you know, Brian Flores is still here. If you don't draft a rush end and you let Daniil walk, you are uh, you're basically taking a guy who made, uh, you know, who, who had some magical success and saying, hey, do it again, but it's going to be more difficult. So I, I think they're going to, I think that they will make a really solid attempt to try to keep Hunter provided Kirk leaves. Now, that being said, he, again, is in a great position. He can hit free agency. He can explore the market. You know, his problem is his second contract here, which has now been reworked 15 times. It was a bad like. deal for him. It was a bad deal. Yep. So, like, can I blame him if if he's like, hold, hold on a second, guys. I like it here, but I'm going to explore my market. And then back to what, what you said about Kirk. It just takes one team to say, oh, my God, it's Daniil Hunter. Let's pay him. So, 
there are, and I've been saying this for months, but th- this is one of the most intriguing off seasons as far as the Vikings go or have gone in a long time. Uh, but I think if they had their druthers, they bring Hunter back because if they don't bring Hunter back, you probably have to draft a rush and then. But but if Kirk's gone, you, you need to draft a quarterback. And while we're okay with, with the team, I think potentially being really bad, I this has been the, the discussion. How much can ownership stomach, you know? Well, and I know you guys have talked about this a lot. When I say you guys, Phil Mackey, Declan Goff, Judd Zolgan on Purple Daily, I know you guys have talked about this a lot and probably Minnesota sports with Mackey and Judd too, but I don't think it has to be, oh, you have a bridge quarterback, you know, Ryan Tannehill, or oh, you drafted J.J. McCarthy, you're going to be 4-13 and next year. I don't think it has to be that way when you start thinking about Judd if we're right in our summation that maybe Daniil Hunter's back. Obviously, Justin Jefferson's still going to be here. It's a very minute chance that he isn't. Yeah. And then you you put those two with a roster that is pretty good. I'm not saying they'll win the Super Bowl next year with a rookie quarterback or a bridge quarterback, but nothing says you have to be 3 and 14, 4 and 13, 5 and 12 bad next year. I would argue I'll just keep using Ryan Tannehill. It's the name that's out there and makes some sense. I would argue with Ryan Tannehill in the right scenario, if the team stays healthy, Daniil Hunter has a nice season. Tannehill finds Justin Jefferson. You get Flores a little more help on defense. Judd, they can win 9-10 games and be a wild card team. That's the Vikings, That's my man. the Vikings, yep. You, you just explained them yep. in a nutshell exactly. right there. But, that yeah, would, but, it, but you would still be building towards passing the torch to your, your insert quarterback here that absolutely. you drafted. Absolutely. What we don't we don't know what the strategy is. That's the biggest thing. We do not know what the approach is. Like the, the Kirk talker is obviously huge because it's your starting quarterback. No, there's no question about that. And are they going to pivot off of Kirk and like you said, draft a quarterback, get a bridge guy? Are they going to try and draft a guy, trade up and draft a guy and start him immediately? So quarterback in and of itself is a fascinating conversation. But beyond that, everything that you just brought up is accurate too, which is you've got you've got some parts. You know, you've got Jefferson and Addison and you definitely have some parts, but what, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to try to make the playoffs again? Like they have year after year after year. Are you willing to take a significant step back? Because that's going to put you in a complete driver's seat for the cap in 2025, which I would think would be tempting as well. You know, the, these are all the unknown variables. Um, after a while, for instance, with Spielman, you sort of knew how he was going to try to operate, right? Yep. Like, you, yep. you didn't really, you, you didn't necessarily know who the draft picks were going to be or the first round pick every year, but you had a pretty good idea of how Rick would operate. Well, with Quasi and O'Connell, we don't know that yet. And we don't even know, and I'm just th- throwing this out there, we don't even know if Quasi and Kevin O'Connell are on the exact same page. So, like, there's just so many things at work here that remain to be seen in answered. And I think what happens in free agency and the draft and the subsequent offseason after that this spring and summer, Ross, is going to be really, really intriguing because I think that is going to provide what I would call the roadmap for how these guys plan to operate. We just don't really have that map yet. Judd, do me a favor here. I'm going to enlighten the masses about Beans Coffee Company. But while I do that, I need you to go to coffeebybeans.com because I Mm -hmm. want you to look at their blends and you need to tell me what I can hook you up with. Okay? Doing it right now. And I'm going to get you some coffee because I know I gave you some in the past and you loved it. And I'm long overdue for getting you some Beans Coffee Company. Or excuse me, Beans Coffee Company, coffeebybeans.com. So you let me know what you want and what intrigues you. I love the Perfectus and the Mikado. The masses know that by now. I need to thank Beans Coffee Company. They've been supporting Minnesota Sports Chat now for over two years, and thank you for supporting them. I hear from many of you who have purchased their coffee and think that it is delicious. If you've never checked them out, do me a favor. Go to coffeebybeans.com. Once you get there like Judd's doing now, I'm sure you'll see something you want to try. Give them a try. And I know you'll keep going back for more because it is great stuff. Beans Coffee Company, they have blends for a variety of palettes, light roast, dark roast, medium roast, whatever you're looking for. They have it. Coffeebybeans.com is the website. 
You can order by the bag, or you can even set up a coffee subscription as well. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. That is SPORTSCHAT to save at checkout at coffeebybeans.com. Shipping anywhere in the United States with free shipping on all orders of $35 or more. Judd, what do you need? What can I get you? I am going to go with the um, the Makato, M-A-H-Kato, which Perfect. I think is short for their hometown of Mankato yeah, or I... some type of play. On. And uh, it looks like the original blend. Yeah, what I've been told too, Judd, on that, uh-huh. I always get the pronunciation wrong. I think it's Makato. I'm not positive. Makato, okay. That may have actually been... And John, who listens to the pod, he'll correct me. That may have actually been the original name of Mankato, but it got lost in translation and turned out to ah, be Mankato. Okay. So they're okay. kind of paying homage to the roots there. It's a Ooh, great, I like it. it's a great blend. Uh, Mikado, okay. Do you need whole bean or grinded? I don't remember. Uh, grind up. Perfect. I like to grind it. You like? So you want whole bean? Whole bean. Whole yeah. bean. Yeah. Get get that grinder going. You're like me, Judd. You're always grinding. I'm always well, and it's great. I do it the night before. I fill up the, yes. uh, you know, the the water palette. Is yes. that what that's called? Yep. I grind and I stick it in the thing. In the in the morning, I come down and I start the brewing process. There's nothing. If if I didn't if I didn't work in sports, I think I might work at a coffee shop just to get there because that smell of it's the fresh so coffee bean is such a good smell. Just to get there at like five. In fact, and I, I don't. I'm not a donut guy. But the smell of donuts and coffee are just, it's a great smell. I don't ever need to eat a donut without coffee, but if I have coffee, a donut is just, it's perfect for it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. You know what else is perfect, Judd? Law and order. Oh, well, it used to be. (laughs) I watched the first three episodes, but by the way, on Saturday, just for this, I watched. So I had a. A point of reference for this season. Okay, so I watched the first two last night. I still have to watch one more to get caught up to where you're at. Can we just review one thing that made... It shouldn't make me laugh because it's serious, but I think you'll understand why I think it's funny. New cop guy chases a guy down in an alley, shoots him dead, Yeah. and I think, I don't know, maybe justifiable. They didn't know what he was going to do. He was maybe going to shoot a cop, Okay. I won't, I, we don't need to get too far into that. Yep. But they never speak of it. The only thing they speak of it is other cop walks over and goes, you doing okay? Yep. And cop guy's like, yeah, I've just never shot anybody before. That's it. They don't take his, no they don't take his, yeah, they don't take his There's badge. no leave. There's they no don't leave. take his gun. There's well, nothing. And I told Dawn. Nothing. At, after <laughs> that, that scene, I said, honest to God, how long was Jerry Orbach in that show? I don't think he ever shot a character. <laughs> no, I don't think he did. And, I don't think he ever shot. And we all know, especially with in light of recent events over the last four or five years, everybody pretty much knows if you shoot anybody, they're at least taking your badge and your gun for an investigation. Yep. He's just nope. like, oop-de-dope, on to the next. Let's go and track down the next person. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So the, the writing is so suspect now. So what Judd wants to do, and this is how we're going to do this, Judd, we're going to talk uh, Sam Waterston's leaving Law & Order Hasn't technically left. Uh, Judd, does he leave in that third episode? No, he okay. leaves, I think, February, the last episode of February, perhaps. Okay, so he's got a handful left. He's done over 400 episodes of Law & Order going back to the early 90s. 30 years, yep. They took a hiatus for about a decade. Then they came back. They rebooted yep. the franchise. I've enjoyed it more than Judd, but it, it's not nearly what it once was. But I do like Cameron Mannheim. I do like... I, I do like... Hugh Dancy as an actor, I think he plays the job well. I just don't think his lines are always great, and and they've uh, they've kind of weakened what that position is. But that's all neither yes. here nor there. Yes. Judd is going to go through. I think your five favorite Sam Waterston Jack McCoy episodes. I'm just yes. going to take it in and comment. But before you do each one, I'm just going to uh-huh. play you a random. Jack McCoy bit that I pulled off of YouTube. I love two you've heard because I've played them for you. I will start with those two because they make me giggle. Then I have three or four other ones that I'll sprinkle in. So let's just get this one out of the way and then you give us either your fifth or first Jack McCoy Sam Waterston moment. 
But if your obstruction allows a massacre to happen, I will crucify you, Mr. Kralik. I will charge you with negligent homicide, and after I convict you, I'll resign my job and represent the families of the victims in a wrongful death suit against you and the union. By the time I'm done, you'll be finished. So my advice to you is get out of my way! Chad, that's a top Jack McCoy moment. Well, you know what's me. funny? Is that and we did not list? discuss this. I'm going to go five to one, and that is episode, or or that is my fifth one. That's my fifth one, and it's the only one that I picked for a McCoy as the DA. Okay. So yep. Four four through one are are ADA where he was on the show a, a lot more. Now, just for a point of reference. When he moved, and I think it was well, because— Well, and actually, let's back up, Judd. For people who aren't as legal or watch the show as much, just explain the difference between oh, DA and ADA. The DA is is the—it runs the district attorney's office. ADA is assistant D- district attorney. They actually prosecute the cases. The DA doesn't—he oversees or she and basically tells the associates or the assistants what to do— um, which we, you know, going back to the Adam Schiff character, have yep. seen those scenes for years. But uh, I think it was because of a pay scale deal when the show was during its first continuous run. Um, I think Waterston, if he had stayed as the dis, uh, as the eight, as the assistant district attorney, uh, because of screen time and stuff, was going to get a tremendous raise that they could couldn't afford. So they wrote him. So instead of him leaving the show. He became the the district attorney, which in real life is more powerful, but in the show has less screen yes. time. Now, yep. now that being said, if you recall, during that tenure though, um, Jack McCoy's character was on a lot because it was Mike Cutter who was played by Linus Roach, who I actually liked a lot. He became the assistant district attorney, and McCoy became his boss. But because Jack was so popular, or because Sam was, they kept his character on a lot. And what you just played was from the last episode, episode 23 of season 20, right before the decade hiatus began. Is it from Rubber Rubber Room? Yep, an episode called Rubber Room, May 24th, 2010. Um, And that was just, uh, I mean, that was... It was over the top, but it was a great scene. <laughs> it was a great scene. And that was basically it because they got that case done. Uh, and then if if you recall, it ends with um, the plan was for uh, Epetha Murkison's character, um, the lieutenant, was going to leave the show in real life because she, she was just done. And she was going to leave the show and she had been battling cancer, her character had. And she found out that she got the all clear. And so the last scene is her in a bar and, and they're celebrating. And Jack McCoy is there and the cops are, are there. And that was supposed to be, and it was, her last show. And then surprisingly, I don't know, Roscoe, like a month after that, they just canceled the show altogether. It was altogether. everybody's last show. And, and everyone was, <laughs> and including Dick Wolf who is the guy behind all of these shows and and the Chicago shows now and the FBI shows, they were really, really pissed off. But anyway, yes, Rubber Room is number five. Organized Crime Judd is now in its fourth season already. And I really enjoyed when I watched the first season. I just haven't started watching it again. And then there's Law and Order Special Victims Unit, which I think is in like season 62. That's still going. Yeah. I, I still maintain the the best spinoff or whatever you want to call it. I loved Criminal Intent with Vincent yeah. D'Onofrio and Catherine Herbe. Yep. I don't know how that one didn't last nearly as long. But okay, so that's number five is Rubber Room. I, I can pretty much guarantee all these other bits I have do not match your list. But here's another one that I've played for you before. This will be the last time you hear this. Everything else is new. Did you know it was wrong when you woke up that morning? Yes, did you know it was wrong when you ate your cereal? Yes. He's badgering, Your Honor. Sit down and shut up, Mr. Feynman. Overruled. And you will address the court from now on, Mr. McCoy. Most Fine. of these bits... Feynman was a great character. Most, I love that character. Most of these bits, Judd, have nothing to do with anything. They just make me laugh. Hey, and, you got the first one right. And there you go. All right, so what is your fourth Jack McCoy, Sam Waterston episode? Okay, from season nine, episode 11... 
debuted on January 13th, 1999. The episode was called Ramparts. And the episode was the one where it begins with um, they're looking for, I think they're looking for a body. They're looking for something that has nothing to do with, with what the case becomes. And they drag from the, the uh, I think, the Hudson. They drag a VW Volkswagen van from the 60s out with a skull and bones in it. And it turns out that the guy who was killed disappeared from his college campus where he had been involved in protests uh, in, in the 60s. And the, the resolution was that the guy who the guy was killed by a guard who basically went nutso and shot him. But it turns out that the guy was actually on the police payroll back then. He was a cop who was just starting out and he was there to stir things up to try to out the real protesters. And that's the one, if if you recall, where it is um it is Harmon's character and Waterston. So so uh Jack's assistant was Abby Carmichael, and it's the one where she keeps arguing points and he basically keeps saying it's the 60s. You have no idea what you're talking about. We've talked about this before, Judd, on your ratings, your pantheon of people that have appeared on Law & Order. Where is Abby Carmichael for you? You know, she used to be pretty low, and in retrospect now, I, I like her. Um, my favorite my favorite assistants to—now, if you recall, Michael Moriarty's character, Ben Stone, yep. he was actually above Jack when, when he was in, in the show. I believe he was an executive— assistant district attorney and Jack was just uh, assistant district attorney when he started, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But my favorite are probably Paul Robinette is one. I thought he was great. Yeah, he was great. I thought he was in, and and he, and the only reason I wish his run was longer. I wish it was longer, but in NBC, uh, they got rid of the Robinette character and Don Cragen at the same exact time because the network told Dick Wolf, if you don't get some females in the show, we're canceling it. And so that's why. Um, but and he's my favorite. Craig my second, and then wound up on SVU. Yes, they loved it. They loved him. He, and, he was like good friends with all those guys. And Dan Florak recently passed, or to steal my father's term, he tipped out of the canoe, right? He's no longer with us, or am I making that up? I think you're making that up. If, I'm sorry, Dan Florak, away. if you're still alive. I apologize. I don't think he's passed away. Um <laughs> My second one would be Claire Kincaid, uh, Jill Hennessy. I think my third one is probably uh, Jack's last assistant, and then she um, became the assistant to Cutter's character, and she's not now on FBI. Is it Alana Della Car- Garza? And then Carmichael probably after that. At the time, I didn't. I thought she was. The weakest. Oh, you know what? No, I'm missing one. Jamie Ross. I'm missing Jamie Ross. I thought she was fantastic too. You're yeah, m- unfortunately, Kurt Michael's down pretty low. Your memory is impeccable, and I need to apologize to Mr. Dan Florak. He is not dead. He is very, dead. very alive and vibrant. He's retired. At the he's age retired. of yeah, he's retired. He is no longer in the SVU game. He is 73 years old. Are we on to number three, or do you need to finish up number nope, four? Nope, nope, nope. We are on to number three. Okay, well, let me do Go this ahead. for you. Here's yep. a serious. This is a serious one. Well, they're all serious, but this is this is Jack just. Telling it like it is. Where there's a law, I'll enforce it. Where there's a crime, I'll prosecute it. And where there's a victim, I'll speak for that victim. That's my bottom line. Way to go, Jack. That's a that's a feel good. That's a later right one. You can tell his voice got cracked. It's raspy. Yep, his voice got. Yep, raspy is perfect word. Okay, season seven, episode eighteen, premiered April second of nineteen ninety seven. So it was as we were getting towards sweeps that year. I'm catching a theme here too. Your sweet spot so far has been late nineties. Oh yeah. Which I thought was when yeah. the show was at uh, its zenith. Yeah, that was when the show was at its well apex, right? Is that another yes. word we can use? Yes. Yes. But that is a definite theme. Uh Mad Dog, which is the one with Burt Young of Rocky Fame. Now he did die within the, the last year or so. Uh he is 
He is released from prison. And Jack supposedly had, although it was not an episode, had prosecuted him. Yes, okay. As a serial rapist. This is coming rapist. back to me. Yep. And he is, and Jack spends the whole time trying to get him put back in jail, trying to violate his probation. And at the end, spoiler from a show that, that premiered in 1997, uh, Burt Young's character, who is living with his daughter and I think his granddaughter and her friend, attacks the friend and the daughter comes in and hits him with a baseball bat and kills him. But the acting in that one is marvelous. Burt Young is, is really, really good. And it's just basically McCoy unleashed. I would say at 27 years, I think you're safely past the statue of limitations I for, think you're right. for a spoiler alert. I think you're right. All right before we get right. to Judd's, uh, I don't know what, are are you technically, are you going in order of your of your least favorite to favorite of the top yep. five? Yep. Okay, yep. so top five. before we get to Judd's uh, second greatest Jack McCoy moment on Law & Order, we have this. Try this case with what we have. With all due respect, you want to try a murder case, even though we can't prove how, when, or even if the victim was killed? That's correct. May I ask why? Because it's a hell of a lot better than the alternative. That is at the time, Judd, an 82-year-old Sam Waterston yeah. playing Jack McCoy in season uh, 21, 22. What, what season are we on? This is so bad. I should We're know this. 20, uh, this is 22. 23. Nope, it's 23. Okay, yeah. Regardless, this was from last year, from 22. So Okay, yep. Episode 11 of season 8, again, the pattern continues, January 7th, 1998, under the influence. Yes, I... Jamie Ross's first year, and it is the one where a guy is driving home with his girlfriend from the airport, businessman, and he's so drunk that that he wipes out uh, what two kids, a dad, and then an entire that, family, an, an old guy. Yeah, I think the wife, the wife and her daughter survive. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's the one where Jack decides that he is going to basically seek the death penalty for a drunk driving case, which at the time, at least, you couldn't do. Like if if you were deemed to be drunk, there there was a complete statute on what the person was guilty of. And he tells he tells um, a flight attendant who served him to if she leaves the country he can't subpoena her and it's also the one with um, um, Cliff Gorman if I'm not mistaken who, who's also passed was the judge and he's going to run for shifts he's going to run for for DA at the time or no no you know what I think it was Gary Feldman he's going to run for DA at the time. And so he is all on board with Jack basically cheating the system because this is going to to be, he's going to preside over a death penalty case for drunk driving. He thinks that the uh, drunk driving laws at that time weren't tough enough. And Jack gets a uh, um, guilty conscience at the end and reveals in open court with the guy on the stand that he was completely drunk and that they can't, Basically, they can't pursue the course of action, and he gets dragged before the um, disciplinary committee. Um, in fact, you know what? I stand corrected. It, it was probably um, Jamie Ross's. I forget if if she was there, Roscoe, for two or three years. Uh, it was her last episode, so it was pro- it was her second or third year, um, because at the end she uh, testifies before the the bar committee that's seeing if they should disbar Jack McCoy and walks out and that's her, her last scene. So, but it's also the one in which they basically confirm that Jill Hennessy's character, Claire Kincaid, who was sleeping with Jack during her time, her character was on the show that she is dead because they couldn't decide for a long time if she was dead or not. So that's where you find out that she is dead and he's basically on the warpath to get the death penalty for th- this guy because the guy that killed Claire's character a couple of years before got like six months because he was drunk when, when he hit the car with Briscoe and Kincaid in it. Jamie Ross, 53 total episodes, season 7, 8, 10, and 11. Was there a yeah, reason? Yeah, she came. 
Yeah, she came back as a judge, or no, That's she it. came back. Okay. She came back as a defense attorney a couple of times, um, and then she also was a judge. Uh, in, in fact, she was in the in the first episode of season twenty one. Yes, I was just going to ask you if you remember. She's back that. in the DA's office. Because in a short-lived spinoff called Trial by Jury, yep. she'd actually become a judge. Anyway, what did that was her last. What did Trial by Jury get, Judd? Like six episodes? That didn't last I, very long. I liked it that. Was, it was on so short. I actually, d- during the pandemic, had to buy the episodes to watch on em. cable to watch them. <laughs> Remember Law & Order? Was it Law & Order um, LA? What did we call it with Skeet Lola. Ulrich? Was that it was Lola? Yeah, and they killed him. That didn't last very long either. That was less than oh, a season, I think. I tried to watch a few of those. They're not good. They were well, who who's the character who who, uh, who had the famous scene in Boogie Nights, um, who was the DA to start with and oh. then and then he became a cop again? Yeah, I'm blanking Alfred on who that is. Oh, good good Alfred re- Molina. Good recall there. So anyway, uh but yes, yeah, so that episode and Mad Dog are like the two great McCoy. Like they just turned Waterston loose, and it was great. So you have one more left before we do that. Yep. The shortest, but the sweetest. And Judd, I'm I'm hopeful this one will at least bring a little bit of a chuckle to you. Your grief might be a little more convincing, sir, if you hadn't just admitted you cut off your wife's head. <laughs> oh, that's the one. That's the three parter. Yes. That's the three-parter yeah. where he puts the bayonet <laughs> in the guy's hand. Is that what is that what that's from? Yeah, that's okay. the last one. Yeah, he's he's on the stand like crying, that, and okay. McCoy says yep. that, and and then he takes the bayonet and and, and he swings it, and it's very very <laughs> impactful. I, stuff. One of my favorite parts about that show before you get to your um your final one is. Yeah. How they will just let somebody in, not, not not closing, but basically you have the, well, first off, the person who committed the crime, Judd, almost always takes the stand, which in real life almost never no, happens. It, it right? never happens. And then what inevitably happens is that McCoy always pushes them to the edge where they either admit in open court that they did it or they get very close, which also never happens. But yep. that's also what makes the show so entertaining. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like the fact that now, and it, th- this is this has become a staple of the show, but now, like on SVU and the new uh, Law and Order, how many times we now see, like, um, shootings, which they never oh used my to, gosh. to try yes. and do, or these, like, intricate and... SVU is so guilty of this. These intricate storylines that they never used to allow for the most part. No, and Judd, I'll be honest. I'm getting it happened again, I think, the second episode of this season where somebody who they were investigating was shot outside of, like, a press conference. It's now becoming to the point, Judd, where it's almost you're more surprised when somebody doesn't get shot and killed yeah. at a press oh, event. I, I know the one you're talking about, and I predicted that. I'm like, she's, she is going to get shot. There's no question about it. And that part to me is kind of annoying, too, because it's a cheap way to advance the storyline, and yes. I, I don't I don't like that. But I, I guarantee think, you, it's the network. Yeah. You know, well, and, John, I think Dick, Dick Wolf also has 19 shows that he's working yeah. on, so how much time can he devote well, to one he, show? He, he got a credit uh, this season— for writing the opener, and it was, I thought the opener was terrible. It dragged, it was long, it was. Oh, on the opener, and sorry to cut you off. Yeah. What, here's another thing that I love, and I knew this would happen. New guy, just out of nowhere, forced dialogue. Ah, so uh, tell me what happened with Cosgrove. Yep. And then they answer it, and that's it. They move on. I know. <laughs> like, he just what? got himself jammed up. Yeah. He was too honest about things you're not which honest is, about anymore, which is which I think is true. I think he told him your scripts suck because yes. he definitely left o- over creative differences. Yes. Yep. So I think he really did say, you know what, your scripts are terrible, and I didn't. And I actually like the new guy more than the old guy, more than the Cosgrove character, and I like both both of the cops now. So that at least is good. But yeah, the writing is the writing leaves something to be desired. What do you compared to back then. What do you got for your okay. favorite McCoy moment? Then I'm going to give you a good uh, closing argument from McCoy. All right, 
an episode that debuted as the season finale on May 22nd, 1996. And in my opinion, was the best episode that was done at that point of the franchise, which keep in mind, it started, well, I think they shot the pilot for CBS in 88. It didn't get picked up. It then, I think, debuted on NBC circa 90, 91. But anyway, um, so it's season six, episode 23, Aftershock. Which was a which was a no pun intended shocking episode because at the time the character revealment on the show had been, you know, very little, and it would be basically done in sound bites, um, and so we didn't know a lot about characters, and in that episode, that's the one where they go up to, and I'm sure again it it doesn't track or make sense, but they go up to upstate New New York to watch an execution which. Keep, keep in mind, at that point in time, the death penalty, which now has been outlawed again yep. in New York, had been allowed. And so they go, and it's uh, Claire Kincaid, Jack McCoy, Lenny Briscoe, and Ray Curtis. And they go up and watch a guy uh, be executed via lethal injection. And the whole day is the fallout of having watched that. And McCoy goes to a bar in what I thought I think is one of the great like he tells he tells his life story which at the time was great because you didn't know a thing about you know you sort of knew a little here and there about his drinking but you didn't know a ton about him and th that's the one where Briscoe goes to the um at the time the OTB off track betting and meets up with his buddies and his daughter comes in there's just character development that we hadn't seen now it's gone way too much uh, but I thought that, that that episode for McCoy in particular, because it's the one where he talks about how his dad was this hero, blah, 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 a cop in Chicago. And at the end, it starts to talk about, and he beat my mom. Um, it's just incredible. So Aftershock, episode 23, season six to me. That would be worth, if, if you're a fan, somebody should do an oral history of how that episode came about. Because in this franchise that has become all about Mariska and all of these characters basically doing all their own thing and we know everything about them. That was the first episode in the entire franchise that peeled back the curtain, which at the time I thought was great. In retrospect, might not have been, yeah. but Roscoe, Roscoe, here's the thing. The acting power back then, I mean, Jerry Orbach, Waterston, you think about the actors those guys, they, those guys and gals were absolutely phenomenal. Well, and isn't that some of the evolution of TV in the world that we're in right now? To be in a show like Law and Order in 1996, I don't want to discredit anybody who's on a show that's on a streaming platform, but it was a hell of a lot harder to get an acting gig in 1996 True. than it is right now. So you had to be a really damn good actor. And right. I, I think, Judd, in that same episode, does that episode not end with, like, Briscoe crying? Does it? Don't, yeah, don't well, you? Right, because he, he goes, he falls off the wagon at the same bar that Jack was in. Okay. Yep. Claire comes to try to find Jack. That's right. Jack yep. took a yep. cab home. She gets broadsided yep. and killed by Leveled. a drunk driver. That's it. Yep. And and then Briscoe gets out and and walks around. It's also that's the scene in which um in which the Van Buren character is at her kitchen table writing her mom a note of or a letter about the day. And they they have her read that as you see the or as the accident takes place, as soon as that's done, and Briscoe gets out and walks around, Van Buren's character is reading what she wrote. I mean, it's uh, geniusly written. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it's funny because at the time you would say, and NYPD Blue did this too, when yep. they would develop characters, you would say, wow, this is really cool to peel back the layer, get yep. to know them a little bit more so how they behave in their day job makes a bit more sense. Correct. Now, to your point, Judd, even in the original Law & Order you get a lot more just quips about what people are thinking personally and what their political beliefs are and what they're doing at home. And that, to me, it's just it's a little bit too much. You and I, we've always bonded over the show because it was law in the first half, right? order in the second half, yep. which it still kind of is, but now there's just so much more to it. It was filled with nuance, too. Like, like when they did ordinarily in the 90s, for sure— when they revealed stuff, it was very nuanced. 
Like it was done through small things. And now, as with lots of things, especially on the networks, they hit you over the head. And so that's not as much fun. Um, I guarantee you, if if this show was a streaming platform show exclusively now, it would be a lot better. It would be a lot more fun. But unfortunately, it's not. The last thing about Aftershock that's great is the bar that uh, McCoy spends the day drinking in. When Briscoe goes in to the same bar at night and the beer lights, beer signage lights are on, he walks by a Bud Ice Bud Ice. Bud Ice. You remember Bud Ice? Yeah, I'm going to guess Judd had a few Bud Ices back in the day. Bud Ice, I think, was a big hockey thing, too, on Fox. I think, you know, because Bud Ice is perfect for hockey. Fox and the uh, red, uh, the red puck that would wind up in the crowd. That was that was a tail. That was a great Fox. I think this is back in the Zima days, too. Zima. Yes. I was gonna, you know, bring up Zima. That came into my head too. Uh, who brought Zima back recently? For a couple, a couple of years ago, you could buy it at like Costco and certain liquor stores. Oh, I did see that. I have no idea. Yeah, no, no real. No I had real. one. I I had a 1990s. I think it was early. Um, go with the infamous Zima, and that was it for me. Were you a wine cooler guy? I remember wine coolers being big. I grew up in the early to mid-90s, Judd. I was born in 86. I remember people yep. crushing wine coolers. I think I, I think I had my first sip of alcohol in 86, and I believe it was a wine cooler. I was 16. Um, Are wine coolers still a thing? No, I think those. I think they've been replaced by... By the seltzer? Seltzers. Okay. Yeah, because Bartles and James was huge. Do you want one more McCoy? Do you want a, do you want a closing oh, yeah. argument from yeah, McCoy? Yep. Okay, this one's about a minute long, but here we go. You haven't been told why she's in a coma. Mr. Garnett alluded to the reason. I'm going to tell you why. Objection. She did it in a desperate, crazed attempt Sustained. to call attention to the fact that Mr. Taylor had gotten away with the murder of her sister. I said sustained, Mr. McCoy. She was so convinced of his guilt, she was ready to put herself in jeopardy to see this vicious killer brought to trial. Mr. McCoy. While she lies in a hospital bed, this court has seen fit to allow the defense to speculate about her state of mind. That's enough. And hold her up as a patsy for Mr. Taylor. Since this court doesn't have the guts to protect the rights of the weak and voiceless. You're in contempt, Mr. McCoy. It's for the jury to see justice done. And justice, in this case, is holding Ken Taylor and only Ken Taylor responsible for the death of Julie Gore. That's it. I am declaring an immediate mistrial. Oh, yo, your honor. Sit down, Mr. Garnett. You open the door for this. Now, do you remember, Judd, in that episode, there seems there was a reason why Sometimes as a defense attorney, you love a mistrial, but I right. I think in that episode, I believe it was heading towards an acquittal, which is why McCoy was doing his old, I'm going to take the law into my own hands yes. here, yeah. right? And well, what I love is she's she's like, you're in contempt, but like thousands of dollars. <laughs> and and there there is an episode where Jack gets thrown in jail by a judge for less than this. I just so, love, I love, and Law and Order does this. And it's to almost everybody, not always Jack McCoy. Sometimes it's the defense attorney. Sometimes it's other ADAs. You're in contempt. And then they'll let him keep rambling. Yep. And then like, you're in That's contempt. Yeah. It's like, well, if they're really That's in contempt, just stop them. And then she just declares a mistrial, <laughs> which is exactly what he wants, which she, you know, knew. The other thing uh, about that scene, and this is, this is, I've tried to find this on by Googling. I've never found this, but the lawyer's name is Garnett. And have you, if you go back and watch, have you noticed the amount of times that that suspects or criminals yes, or they reappear judges, in different roles? N- no. They have athletes' names. Oh, okay. Yeah. Garnett. Kevin Garnett, yep. Yep, yep, yep. But I mean, if, if you go back, there is a, a lot of times that there will be athletes' names used. Well, and at that time... Just Kevin, like a last name, at not... That- both names. Right, but at that time, Kevin Garnett would have been a name you would have heard, too. That would have been that, that episode oh, yeah, that's from the what late I'm 90s. I so, think they just yeah. took... I, I think the majority of people or or the people that wrote that, that, that show, I think there's clearly an acknowledgement of sports there. I also love when they do a 
ripped from the headlines case and they tell you it's ripped from the headlines, well, let's be honest, they're almost all ripped from the headlines in are. some way, shape, they or form. Used to be. But then, right. But then I love when they also will say, like, it doesn't depict any actual person yeah. or event. They'll follow that up in a case that's ripped from the headlines. Yeah. They'll then follow it up with this doesn't actually depict yeah. an actual person or event. Like, well, wait a second. Which one is it? <laughs> well, and they'll take a big case that doesn't have a death and insert a death. Yeah. Oh, because they got to make it different, right? It can't right. be the it can't be right. the But exact I'm saying it's thing. also they they basically for the most part need a dead body, right? So it, it'll be like some case, and, and you're like, that's that case. But in that case, no one died and they killed somebody. One thing I do like about the show, Judd, and then I think we'll we'll leave it here and I'll let you respond. And when I say the show, the current show, I like that they've never, they have not shifted away in this version from touching on current events. Oh, no. Yeah. So even in, and and they did this in, I think what they did, let's go back, you know, the late 90s, they would touch on things that were happening, but they maybe wouldn't get super opinionated on it. But they, but you would be aware that things are happening in the world. The oh, yeah. case that I'm talking about, I think it was the second episode that I watched last night, where the Israel-Palestine conflict is a massive part of the show. I've always appreciated that. What I don't necessarily appreciate is when the show was clearly taking one side I used to love it when the show would end and you didn't really know what side anybody oh. was on, but they were just kind of telling you, hey, you should really think about this. It's an important issue. They but, love to preach. Though. Yeah. But now they're telling you, hey, you should really think about this. And this is how you should think about it. They love to preach. No question about it. Uh, anything else going on in your world, Judd, the masses should know about besides just slaying content oh. for Score North and Vikings oh. Wire? Content left and right, my man, but no, no, nope. It's just, you know what, Jack McCoy, see ya. That's I'm gonna <laughs> a little bit sad. You a know little what? bit sad. Judd, let's let's go have a let's go have a happy hour the week after his final episode. We'll tip a we'll tip a beer to Jack McCoy. I I like it. By by the way, probably a good move to leave. It's probably time. Yeah, yeah. But, but still, still a little bit melancholy about the whole thing. Well, and they've been alluding to it very well in the first few seasons. You know, uh, there was our first few episodes of this season. Hugh Dancy's character asks him, "Well, this is going to be really bad for you politically," and Jack's basically like, "Let me worry about that." Right? Yeah. It's just, it's a nice. I'm about to lose. The yeah, election. he's like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Morals oh, be damned. I'm, I'm out of here. All right, Judd, yeah, right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. See you, Roscoe. Mr. Judd Zolgad from Score North, Purple Daily, Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd, Judd's Hockey Show, VikingsWire.com. Really appreciate his time. Talked a little bit of Vikings at the beginning, but of course, primarily Law and Order. Dun, dun. That'll do it for this edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Thank you so much for listening. My thanks to Judd. I'll be back in this feed next week with Thor Nystrom. Looking forward to hearing from him for the first time in a couple months. We'll talk again real soon. I'm Ross Brundle saying thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Minnesota Sports Chat presented by Beans Coffee Company. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. That's one word, SPORTSCHAT, to save at checkout. Follow Ross on X at the Ross Brendel. Like and subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review kindly.